Acts chapter 16, starting at verse 10. Just back up to verse 10. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia, from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Timmy, can you put that map up again quickly? There's Thyatira. Okay, that's where Lydia lived. And somehow she was in Philippi. God's providence puts Lydia in Philippi to hear the gospel. And she takes the gospel back to Thyatira where it spreads. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your kindness, your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your love, your compassion that comes through the gospel of Christ. We thank you that you are a compassionate Father. Thank you that we have the scriptures to guide us to walk in this life with you, to walk uprightly and blamelessly. But give us wisdom to do that, Father. Forgive us when we sin. Forgive us when we do offend you. Be merciful to us when we sidetrack and when we try to lean on our own understanding. But help me now, Father, to preach your word clearly and carefully and faithfully. But help us also to listen. Help us to hear what you have to say to us through the scriptures. Holy Spirit, do a great revival in our hearts. Revive our hearts to hunger and thirst after righteousness so we may be satisfied in the things of the scriptures. Help us, Father. Please give us wisdom to endure. But thank you now for this morning that we can gather together in person. And I pray that from Sunday to Sunday you will continue to protect our church from this virus that you'd put a hedge around us and protect us from the evil one as well, Father. But be merciful to us, Father. Thank you again. What a privilege it is to come to the household of God and worship you and sit under the sacred scriptures and allow them to minister to our hearts so we can walk humbly with you. Give us wisdom to do that, Father. Pray and ask this sorely. In Jesus' name, Amen. Like I said this morning, I'm going to continue in Acts chapter 16. And we started last Sunday at verse 11 and we looked at a, a truth about salvation is through faith. And this morning, Lord willing, we'll look at our second truth to help us to believe that salvation is through faith in Christ alone. But the question I put forward to us again this morning is, do we believe that salvation is through faith. Who's your faith in? Who's my faith in? Who's our faith in when it comes to salvation? We know 
that our faith should be in Christ Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. And he's the content of our faith. And, and he's the one who we put our faith and trust in for salvation. What is salvation? Salvation is to be delivered from sin. To be rescued from some calamity. And that some calamity is going to be judgment day. But salvation is to be delivered from sin. Reading around, I love what this one man writes. He says, whatever saved and salvation may mean to other people, for the Christian, the word conveys a two-sided, glorious, joy-filled thought. First, eternal deliverance from the judgment of sin. And second, full reconciliation into a relationship of intimacy and love with God. That is so beautiful. When you think about it, where we've come from, dead, at enmity with God, dead in our sins, rebellious, wicked, and God delivers us from the domain of darkness and transfers us into the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins. That is a miracle in and of itself. But do we see it as a privilege? Do we embrace this truth? Do we reflect on our salvation? Especially what it cost Jesus, which we'll look at when we come to the Lord's Supper. And this salvation is only available through faith. And it's the gift of God. Paul writes to the church of Ephesus, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. It's a gift of God. Our salvation is a gift of God. We are saved through faith and not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. To come to faith in Jesus Christ is nothing we do in our own power or in our own resources. We do not have adequate power. We are spiritually dead. We do not have adequate spiritual power to save ourselves. And this is what we see the apostles doing. They take a message because they know that when they evangelize, when they witness, when they teach the truth, their role is to preach the truth, teach the truth, witness the truth, because they know God himself would apply it individually to the hearts and the minds of people as this truth is heard. And he applies it to the hearts of of the minds of those he has elected. That's why Paul puts this so clearly. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. We don't know who the saved are but we have a responsibility to take a message and share it with people for the sake of those who are chosen. And just because you share it with someone and they don't respond to the message, that doesn't mean they're not chosen. Don't give up on them. Don't. George Muller had five men on the list who he prayed for, for salvation. Before he died, three men were saved. After he died, the other two men were saved. Which you will know when he meets them in heaven. So go out there. Let's, let's, let's share a message. Because it's the work of God to save 
people. And this is what we see here in Acts chapter 16, verses 11 to 15. We see a great work of God saving Lydia and the other woman that heard the message. And this is all God's doing. But before we look at our second truth that brought about Lydia's salvation through faith, let us quickly recap on our first truth. Just briefly. And our first truth that I shared with us last week to help us to, to believe that salvation is through faith was speaking. We saw that in the first four verses, basically from verse 11 to, to verse 13. Paul sat down and spoke a message to this woman. It wasn't about, wow, where does this water come from? This river flows so beautiful. Is there a spot up the river to go and have a bride? And is it, is, it, is it safe enough to swim in? He spoke. What did he speak? Well, you go back to verse 10. They were called to preach the gospel to them. What is the gospel? They called to witness a name. Jesus' name. That's what Paul was told in Acts chapter 9. Um, there was a guy called Ananias. Ananias was told to go for he's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name. And he's carrying Christ's name into this dark world because the Holy Spirit can testify about Christ in the hearts of the people. He's there to save. And so our responsibility is to take a message and we are to share and speak and have a conversation with people and share this message into the lives and the hearts of people. And the message is all about the truth of Christ. About his life, about his crucifixion, his death, about the resurrection, the ascension. We have something to witness, which is about his works and his words. And like I shared with the verse last week, Jesus says, my prayer is not for them alone. That is, my prayer is not for the disciples alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. If you've been saved through a message and you are truly a Christian, Jesus is praying for you. He's interceding for you. And he's not saying to the disciples, I'm only going to pray for you alone. I'm also going to pray for those who believe in your message that you send to them and are saved through. So there's a message. Paul wrote, faith comes from hearing, hearing a message of Christ. The gospel, is, the gospel of God is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And this is what we see Paul and his team doing here with Lydia. They go to a place of prayer, they sit down, and they have a conversation about Christ Jesus to God-fearing Gentiles. They're religious. So he can start with Jesus. He can start with the Bible. And as he speaks, God sovereignly works through that personal conversation that Paul has with these women. And he speaks to them. And he speaks to them in a way that they will listen to him because his speech is seasoned with grace as though seasoned with salt so that he will know how to respond to each person Paul knows that faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. That's our responsibility. If you want to know more about that first truth, speaking, our responsibility, then go and listen to last week's sermon. 
But this morning, I want to look at the second truth that is there to help us believe that salvation is through faith in Christ Jesus, is opening. We have a message that we take to people. What happens with that message? Is it wasted? Are we going to look like fools? Are we going to be persecuted? Well, we'll learn about that next week, Lord willing. That there are risks, there's suffering, there's persecution when we take a message to people. And risk is good, risk is healthy. This message does not fall on deaf ears. God's word never returns to him empty or void. Like I said, just because you share a message with someone and they don't respond, that does not mean they are not chosen. All it means is that you've got some prayer work to do. You've got some praying to do for the salvation of these people. And when you have opportunities, you keep sowing the seed. Keep watering the seed. And pray that God brings that seed to fruition. That He will grow that seed into salvation. But here, our second truth that we want to look at from Acts chapter 16, verses 14 to 15, is God's responsibility to open the hearts of those that hear our message. And our message needs to be faithful. It needs to be truth. It needs to be Jesus' way. We come in this morning and we worship Jesus' way according to the Scriptures. And when we go out there, we live Jesus' way. And when we preach, we preach Jesus' way. And when we pray, we pray Jesus' way. And when we share a message, we share the message Jesus' way. Do we do that? Do we love Christ? That's my question to us this morning. Have we come here with a heart that is singing joyously to worship Him and to hear what His Word has to say to my wretched, wicked, sinful heart? Like I said, when you share that message, well, it's the Lord's will to open up the heart or not because of Him who calls. The opening up of the heart is the work of God, the Holy Spirit. He's the one that performs this great work of grace within the unbeliever's heart. And the reason why we need to know that, that the reason why we cannot save ourselves, the reason why I, I cannot save myself by just reading my Bible and think, that's a good work, I open my Bible, I read it, God's going to bless me today, and we're going to go to heaven. Well, I come to church this morning, God's going to bless me, and I'm going to go to heaven. Why? Because I'm doing good works by coming. That doesn't save you. Once you're saved, good works follow. And that good works is led to read your Bible, because the love of Christ compels you to read your Bible. Your good works that flow is to come to church. But it's not the other way around. I come to church because God will save me. But you cannot save yourself because of total depravity. Total depravity is to believe that humans begin life with all aspects of their nature corrupted by the effects of sin. Thus all their actions will lack totally pure godly motives. And what we need is irresistible grace. And what's irresistible grace? Well, it refers to the sovereign work of God to overcome the rebellion of the heart. To bring us to our salvation, a saving knowledge of Christ. 
And that is to say, salvation is through faith in Christ Jesus. We need to share a message so the Holy Spirit can break through that heart of stone. And it's, it's His irresistible grace that will turn that heart of stone into a heart of flesh. No one can save themselves. We are spiritually dead and we do not have the ability. And I'll read a quick scripture just to see that it comes from scripture. In Romans chapter 8. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Someone that is spiritually dead cannot, cannot save themselves because of the inability. Total inability. So we need a message. And we need to share a message so the Holy Spirit can do His work and bring about salvation in the hearts of that person. And what does the Spirit use? Well, He uses the Word. There's a message that comes from the Word. And it's God's Word. And that's the instrument to bring about new birth. Believers are born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. That's how the church of Thessalonica came about, was through the Word of God. That's how we all say, through the Word of God. And yes, we've heard this over and over, but it's good to be reminded of these truths so they can give us the confidence to go out there and share a message with the lost. Knowing that we're not alone. God is for us and He's doing the work in their hearts as we share a message. So as we look at Acts chapter 16, at these verses, we see that this is exactly what's happening in Lydia's heart, in her life. As Paul speaks a message, she hears it, and then the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And through that, salvation. I think it's Romans 10, 19 to 13 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And how are they going to be saved if they do not hear a message? And we the one that takes a message like Paul is doing. He's taking the gospel of God, which is the power of God for salvation, to those who believe. And he takes a message so that Lydia them have the opportunity to believe. This is not, can I say, it's not, it's not, it sounds simple, but it's not. Because of sin. But we must remember that our God is a supernatural God. And when you take this message to someone, you do not know what's going on in that heart, what God is doing in someone's heart. And we don't need to know. Don't work it out. You might take a message to someone and, and they say, you know, Mark, I really loved you reading the Bible to me and I really loved you praying the word to me. And I thank you. And you go home and say, yes, that person is saved because they said all this. It doesn't mean a thing. 
Until that person walks through the door and does things that they didn't do before, there's a changed heart. And that is the visible indication that person has been saved. Because God is in the process of changing hearts. Like he did with Paul. Paul should never be speaking to the woman. You heard that last week. Pharisees never spoke to women. They would rather burn the Torah than go share it with women. They prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like these women. That was a Pharisee and Paul was a Pharisee. He's got a changed heart here. And he's just doing what God has called him. Share the message. And you know what, God? It's your responsibility to save them. My responsibility is to be faithful to the scriptures and to share this message and to pray. Yes, you can debate, you can persuade, you can have a little bit of an argument. But remember, the argument is done in righteousness. And here he goes to Lydia, who's a worshipper of God, and he tells her about Christ. So she was ready to hear this message. She was a Gentile, a God-fearing worshipper of God. And Lydia is seeking God. She's one step towards spiritual freedom. But Paul reminds us there's none who understands, there's none who seeks God. She's seeking God. And she, she, it's amazing that before the cross, she was truly worshipping God the right way. She was a God-fearing Gentile. And she was with the Jews and sitting there worshipping like she was called to before the cross. But as soon as the cross comes, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me, says Jesus. All that is false. So she's seeking God. But there's none who understands, there's none who seeks God because she's spiritually dead. She needs to hear a message to save her. And John's Gospel also says, No one can come to me, declared the Lord Jesus Christ, unless the Father who sent me draws him. So in one sense, the Trinity is involved in our salvation. But we know who does the work of salvation is the Holy Spirit. Father's drawing people to the Son. The Son shed His blood on the cross for forgiveness of sins. And then we testify about Christ. As the Father draws His people to us, we testify about Christ. So the Holy Spirit can also testify about Christ in their hearts. And Lydia was not the only person seeking. There were the other women sitting around. And as Paul shared a message, the Lord opened her heart. Lydia's salvation was through faith in Christ Jesus. It was from listening to the gospel of God. Her biblical faith did not depend on her ability or even her knowledge of God, but upon God's ability to impart salvation to her, or faith. God's word says, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And that beautiful that Lydia's faith was given to her by the work of the Holy Spirit. He imparted it to her through the message of the gospel of God. It came through Paul's conversation with these women and her. And today, when I hear people do evangelistic sermons and preach, 
other things but Christ. They try and stir up our emotions. They try and entertain us to make this gospel look all nice. And God is a God of hope and He will come to you and He'll turn your marriage around and He's a self-help God and He just wants to help you in your parenting, your marriage. Is that, is that the gospel? Doesn't matter how skilled the preacher is, doesn't matter how masterful his presentation, salvation as we see with Lydia is not a human work at all. It's all God's work. And it comes through a message. And that's why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he said this. And when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or lofty wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's all people need to hear. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. And men that entertain and have emotional stuff in front of them and does all these wrong things that are not according to the gospel of Christ, the people that are saved are resting their faith on men. Who have I and you rested your faith on? Have you rested your faith on Christ Jesus alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for God's glory alone? Who have we rested our faith on? It's easy to exercise Christianity through the mind. It can be a mental thing. But does it come through the heart as well? Does it come through a loving, caring, compassionate, tender heart? And as we share the message, God will cause the growth. He's the one that causes the growth. That's why Paul preaches Christ crucified. He takes a message. And he preaches it not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so people's faith will rest on Christ alone. And then you'll see a change in their lives. You'll see the fruit that they bear. And Lydia showed this. When God saved Lydia, what happens? She's baptized in obedience of faith. She's not being baptized to be saved. Baptism has got nothing to do with being saved or our salvation. It's a, an obedience of faith and we are identifying ourselves with Christ. We are now His disciple. And she's going to be baptized in front of people so they can see. That now she is a follower of Christ. She showed a changed heart. What else did Lydia show in her life that she had changed? Hospitality. She invited Paul and, the, and, the, and, these, and these men, this, this missionary team, to come. And she wants to look after them. 
She wants to feed them. She wants to, to, to house them so they can be strong for the rest of their journey. That's what we see. Hospitality. God's word said, says, Let love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Contribute to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Hospitality is not for the few. It's for all of us. Some people have a special gift to do hospitality in a bigger way. But there's nothing wrong with families inviting a family. They're not asking you to invite the whole church. That's someone that has a special gift of hospitality. They can entertain people. That's beautiful. But God has called all of us to show hospitality. What is our hospitality like? That will show if our hearts have changed or not. And it's not just inviting like-minded people to your house. It's inviting everybody that you see. Not showing partiality or favoritism. And it's also showing hospitality to strangers. Christian strangers. These were strangers. These men. Imagine, imagine Lydia, the woman saying to Lydia, Lydia, do you know about Paul? Do you know a murderer? Do you know what he was doing many years ago? He was killing people like us now. He's saved. How do we know he's not going to come around at night and just get rid of us while we're sleeping? Invite someone around for hospitality that's been in prison for 10 years. I guarantee you'll think the same. Oh, I wonder if that person's going to take something from my house. We'll block all our valuables away. That's how we think. But praise God for His grace and His mercy. Because that's our, that's our unbelieving heart, nature, to think like that. And when you think like Christ, you'll say, you know what, I don't know anything. If they steal something, they needed it. Let them enjoy it. If they get found out, well, there's church discipline and there's ramifications done in love. We need a change of attitude. We do, church. I'm reading through the church of Sardis, or Sardi. They had beautiful works, but it was all dead. How's our faith in Christ? Is it alive or is it dead? We all need to, from time to time, examine our hearts to see if Christ has really got hold of our heart and turned this heart of stone into a heart of flesh. So that we can really rejoice in the things of God. But don't be hard on yourselves. Thank God for grace. We, no one's perfect. We all struggle. I struggle as a pastor. I have to confess sin every day. We all should be repenting every day. Our service should start with repentance. Nehemiah's prayer starts with repentance. His repentance and on behalf of Israelites. That is one of my main prayers for this church. In my quiet time. He's asking God to forgive me and forgive us as a church alone. I don't know what goes on in your lives. I'm not responsible for forgiveness, like some churches think they are. But I can pray generally for the church. I'm accountable for this church. We need a change of heart. We need to know that, that God has saved us. Well, let, let's just go back. You've heard me read this over and over from Titus. From Titus. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawless 
and lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Our zeal should be for good works. I'll just share the story as I come to a close. In 2006, it's a pretty jaded in here because I think you would enjoy the story. In 2006, the freestyle motorcycle champion Brian Deegan nearly lost his life in a horrible crash. Previously, his girlfriend had become pregnant and gone home to live with her Christian parents. His life was a mess. He was on his deathbed. But the Christian parents, this family, reached out to Deegan in his long rehabilitation and he began attending their evangelical church. Listen to this. Hearing the gospel there, he came to faith in Jesus Christ. Hearing the message. God was able to save him. When his physical recovery was complete, Deegan returned to the motocross club that he had founded named the Metal Melusha, which under his leadership had gained a reputation for drugs, alcohol, sexual abuse and violence. This is the motocross club that he founded and was heading up. This Deegan, this Brian guy. Returning as a Christian, Deegan began inviting his fellow bikers to study the Bible. He kept telling them, uh, he kept telling us how much the Bible changed his life. One person recalled, I felt like I had to listen. One after another of, of, one, of, sorry, one after another of Deegan's bikers' friends came to a saving relationship with Christ. And now the metal Melusha is known not for riotous mayhem, but for evangelism and Christian discipleship. See how God turns his tragedy around. Because it's all in him. It's he's doing. It's he's doing that we have this morning because we are in Christ Jesus. It's he's doing. So if you have children that you're concerned about, the most encouraging thing and the most peaceful thing that you could do is rest their salvation to be just rest in Christ and pray and when you have opportunities to sow the seed, do it in truth. Speak the loving truth with a tender heart. Do it gently. Because sometimes your, your attitude has more of an impact on your words sometimes. They'll see your love. And let God be God in their life. And children do give us grey hairs. They do cause our stress levels to go up. But God is sovereign over their lives. Just allow God to do what He's doing in their lives. So will we take these two truths that brought about Lydia's salvation? The one, speak a message into the people's lives. That's our responsibility. So that God can open up the hearts. That's His responsibility. Because our message is the Spirit's instrument to save people. To create in them a new heart. And what we take, what our message is, is all about Christ Jesus. His works and His words. And He said in, in, in Luke 24, 48, You are witnesses of these things. And these things are His words and His works. You can start off by sharing what God has done in your life, but that's not the gospel. That's not going to save them. We can boast. Oh, look how God's blessed me with this beautiful home. And look how He's blessed me with two cars. And look how He's blessed me with this and that. And Will you say the same thing if God took that all away from you? Look how God's blessed me with this shack now I have to live in. Look how God's blessed me with no car. Look how God's blessed me. Will we, will we, how can I say it? Will we just 
grow up in Christ Jesus and allow Him to work in our hearts so we can share a message that is all about Him. That's why I love what John the Baptist said. I decrease so that He can increase. I'm unworthy to untie His hands, but I'm going to let Him increase in my life. Cost John the Baptist's life, cost him his head. Will we? Will we take a message? Because the world needs to hear the gospel. The gospel is the only message that is going to save them. Not the police, not the army, not the navy, not the air force, not the politicians, but the gospel of Christ alone is what they need to hear. So will we witness these things which are all about Christ Jesus? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that reminds us of our humility, of our responsibility. It reminds us that we have a life to live for your glory, that we are not our own. We've been bought with the precious blood of Christ. We belong to you, and you've called us to be farmers and soldiers and athletes and teachers to to witness your word into the hearts of people but forgive us father when we shy away from the gospel forgive us father when we when we turn a blind eye on people because we're ashamed or because we don't know how we're going to handle their persecution or we worried we're going to offend a friend a family friend father please give us boldness give us courage to to know what we need to say at the time to to that you would open up a door for the word to be heard in the hearts of these people so we can speak boldly in love. Help us, Father. Please forgive us for we're not doing this all the time. Help us to, to trust in your sovereignty in saving people. So help us, Father, to, to, to exercise our responsibility to share a message knowing that your responsibility will be to open that heart in due time. Father, please be merciful to us. Help us, Father. Help us not to throw the towel in and to give up on people. Yes, we don't know if they're going to be saved at all, but we can keep being responsible in sowing the seed or watering the seed. And we pray that you would grow that seed to fruition and save that individual. But thank you now, Father. Thank you we can come to the cross of Christ and be reminded of what Christ has accomplished for each one of us. If we are saved, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for His glory, then that is what the cross has done for us alone. Father, have mercy upon us, please. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.